How's it going, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Talk and Audio Podcast. Matt Robinson along with you as always. Uh, make sure you're following along on social media at Tall Can Audio. Let us know what you think after uh, after we drop these for you. Whatever's on your mind about uh, the different issues of the day. And one of the main issues of the day today is wrestling. When it's time to do that, we like to talk to uh, Kevin Mickey from Sportsnet. So that's going to be uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. And we'll get to him in just one second. I want to remind you that on Thursday morning, Lever Sage will be back here for his usual slot on the show. And of course, on Friday, Graham Creech will be back as well. All of that's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, stick around. With that, let's bring him in. Our buddy from Sportsnet, Kevin Mickey, is here. How's it going today, man? Doing but uh, <laughs> it's a hell of a start. Here we go. You're off and doing, running. Doing spectacular. I'm doing great, buddy. I think was what I was attempting to say. Sure. Yeah, here we go now. <laughs> Uh, glad you made a little time for us to come back and, and obviously, uh, you know, when you're on here, I'm, I'm, I'm normally the one beating down your door here. We got to talk a little wrestling, right? I got to get Kevin's take on that, but, uh, we're going to start here with something that just came across the Twitter timeline that, uh, I'm sure you've been following this story and you're actually the one who had pointed this out to me that this just happened as we were firing up the recording, Corey Perry leaving the, uh, has been terminated by the Chicago Blackhawks. That was an interesting contract from the start, $4 million for that guy at that age, basically to just come in and, and be, you know, a veteran or, uh, I hesitate to use this term, a father figure for Connor Bedard. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, it didn't last very long. Um, this has been a bit of a mess, man. Uh, I mean, a mess might be putting it lightly. Now let's preface this entire conversation by saying this is all alleged yes. and we do not know for <laughs> sure exactly why Corey Perry is having his contract terminated by the Chicago Blackhawks. Right. I think the responsible thing to do is to allude to the rumors that we have heard. Yes. And that has something to do with infidelities surrounding... Screaming infidelities, uh, some might say. Oh, very nice. Tight reference. (laughs) This is one of the wildest stories that has come across hockey in a long time. Like, it's... Since uh, Shane Corson, some might say. Uh, very much. I mean, and and this thing has nothing to do with the ga- actual game of hockey. No. This isn't. This doesn't have to do with contracts. This doesn't have to do with agents. This is no. You know, uh, man. The, the so the Chicago Blackhawks statement just says, uh, in violation. After an internal investigation, the Blackhawks have determined that Corey Perry has engaged in conduct that is unacceptable and violation of both the terms. Hang on, this was I'm not sure if that was a joke one. I got to find the real one for each. <laughs> a lot of people having a lot of fun with this. I was going to say a lot of people. Okay, sorry. Here it is. Yeah, Corey Perry is engaged in conduct that is unacceptable and in violation of both the terms of his standard players' contract and the Blackhawks' internal policies intended to promote professional and safe work environments. As such, Corey Perry has been placed on unconditional waivers. In the event Mr. Perry clears waivers, we intend to terminate his contract effective immediately. So there you go. He did something that they likely will never elaborate on, especially if they're trying to protect the reputation or just protect in general the the absolute media firestorm that would follow. You really don't know, man. No. Also, I, re- I really love that Fridge tweeted, uh, Corey Perry is on waivers. Chicago is terminating his contract. And then right below that, Will Butcher is also on waivers. <laughs> 
we'll all be talking about Will Butcher tomorrow. <laughs> Whether he that's gonna, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna lead all the websites. It's gonna be the front page of every website. Lead all the sports shows. Absolutely, Will Butcher yeah. on waivers. So it seems uh, that they have gone ahead and ended this before it will butcher the internal dynamics of the Chicago Blackhawks uh, locker room. If you look at how this has shaken loose, I'm not sure there is a team in pro sports right now that was going to get less of the benefit of the doubt than the Chicago Blackhawks, right? After everything that they've been through over the last couple of years or put people through over the last couple of years, they turned over their management group. They had said this is going to be an era of transparency. And here is something allegedly brutal happening inside their lock. And as this was early on progressing, like I'm laughing at the same tweets everybody else is. It's funny or whatever. But there is is a part of me that's going, you know, there might be a reason that the Blackhawks aren't talking about this outside of just, you know, it's embarrassing or whatever. There, maybe there is something legal happening. Maybe there is something uh, to, to do with somebody's health happening, right? Like, may, there are legitimate reasons not to talk about it. And when you don't, though, when you're the Chicago Blackhawks, you let speculation run rampant. And we have landed in a fascinating place uh, at the end of that speculation. Yeah, and here's the thing, like like you mentioned, the Blackhawks, an era of transparency. Well, I guess you could be as transparent as you want at this point, but now they have to make the business decision to not be transparent, and that might be best for the organization, but... Mm. I mean... <laughs> you... So let me ask you just quickly before we move off of this. They brought in a few guys here, like a lot of teams do when they get the next big superstar, right? You go out and you surround him. Even if you're going to be bad, you pay some guys to come in and be, um, you know, the the leadership and, and to help guide him and be a good pro and all those terms. And they went out and two of the guys that they brought in to do that were Taylor Hall and Corey Perry. And they're both now gone. I don't know how long Taylor Hall is going to be gone, but it's not a short-term injury that he's dealing with. Obviously, Corey Perry is not coming back. And Connor Bedard is now kind of out here on his own and whether it be learning to be a good pro or just having some sort of little bit of support in terms of running a power play or, you know, performing this season, both those guys are gone. Like this has to be worst case scenario for kickstarting Connor Bedard's career. I, I, it's truly hard to think of a worse start other than if he were injured right away. Right. Cause he's performing he, it's exciting to watch him. The Leaf. I was watching the Leafs Blackhawks game, the one last Friday afternoon. Yeah, that was fun. And uh, you know, every time Bedard tucked the touched the puck, there was a. You could tell the the, the excitement that it generated in the Chicago crowd. Uh, you know, that's cool to see. Yep. That now all of a sudden it's like it's like in if this were 1988, WWF, and you're getting a big push. You're going to the top of the card, and then all of a sudden Hulk Hogan says, that's not going to work for me, brother, and he cuts your legs right out from under you, and all of a sudden your push is over. That's kind of what this feels like all of a sudden for Conor Bedard, where he's getting this big push. He's going to main event soon. He's going to win the heavyweight strap, but then all of a sudden he's really going to get pushed down the card, and we're going to see if he can fight his way back up. I mean, no, don't count Conor Bedard out because he's proven through his very young career so far that he has been able to counter anything that has ever come his way right so fuck this guy could really bounce back in a way that we've haven't seen before but jesus just what a shitty thing to happen (laughs) to him early on in his career it's pretty brutal man um 
Yeah, so now he's only got like Nick Foligno surrounding yeah. him on the ice. Yeah, like I, I saw that last night or the last game, Kirby Reichel was his left winger. And I'm not even sure I know who Kirby Reichel is. There, there was another Reichel kicking around that we had in our system for a while. I'm not sure if it's the same guy. Like <laughs> Kirby Reichel was he was he the Reichel that was on the Windsor Spitfires when they were when they were winning Memorial Cups? Wasn't I can't that, remember. Wasn't that Warren Reichel coaching them? Was it was it Robert Reichel? <laughs> Must be slap shot from the top of the circle. On That's the- <laughs> yeah. No, nobody does it better. <laughs> right, so. Clapper on the breakaway. Right. Can't, can't, yeah. Can't beat it. Um, I wanted to ask you just before we get into uh, get into some of the wrestling stuff here. Just what you think? You know, you're kicking around the Sportsnet newsroom every day. You're down there in Toronto. Um, you know, what is the vibe right now? around Leaf fans around Toronto, because I'm sitting up here, you know, I'm kind of in the middle of a no man's land here in Ottawa, but I haven't been, and nor do I think most people who've been paying attention, I haven't been particularly impressed with them. They haven't been terrible or anything, but I believe they only have four regulation wins in 19 games, so not an ideal start. There's been plenty of things to complain about. The Ryan Reeves thing didn't get off to a good start. There's the John Klingberg situation, all of it, but they have collected some points along the way. They've won some overtime games and shootouts and this and that. They're I believe in the second wild card spot right now. By the time the good listener hears this, uh, Toronto, Florida will have played on Tuesday night. You and I don't uh, don't know what's happened in that one yet. But I'm just curious, what do you make of these Leafs? What are people saying to you down there? And is there a reason for concern in your mind? Uh, from a fan base perspective, at least in the city, it really feels like, you know, that old kind of shitty Green Day song, like, Wake Me Up When September Ends? I do know when, that off the, off, off the American <laughs> Idiot sound uh, album? Yeah. Um, it's kind of like wake me up when the regular season ends. Everyone's just kind of is still assuming that the Leafs are going to make the playoffs. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's a wild assumption to make. The no. team, people still think the team is good enough to yep. make the playoffs. It just feels like goaltending will sort itself out eventually. It seems well, yeah, Samson will either figure it out or Joe Wall is going to take the ball and run with it. Uh, they're going to juggle the lines a little bit and they're going to figure something out. It, it doesn't. Everyone... It just feels like a typical Leaf season from seasons past, to be honest, where you're going to nitpick a few things here and there, but it doesn't feel like there's huge cause for concern. I'd say what people may be thinking is all of a sudden the Atlantic feels a little more jumbled, especially with Detroit being a little better this season. They just signed Patrick Kane. Yep. Uh, that's And the Lightning are going to get Andre Vasilevsky back. Um, are, the, you know, are, the, are the Sabres going to try and figure something out here? Panthers, so the Scott, Ekblad, and Montu are back, and they're rolling right now. Uh, That's yeah. They just beat the shit out of the Sens. They did do that, yeah. Um, literally and phys- literally, yeah, literally and figuratively. Yep. Um, so you know, I'd say that that's Boston probably where the confuses to just die. <laughs> I will say that with with the Bruins, as I think their biggest strength is their goaltending or the Swayman Olmark yep. combo. There's no better combo in the league. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think that team is as good as the record indicates right now. Yes, they're a team that's coming off the most, the record for most wins in a regular season. I've been saying that about them season. for four years. I just wait. I mean, we've all, <laughs> fucking, everyone's been saying that about them, right? They're gonna fall off. Yeah. just the team doesn't seem as deep as they have in in years past. I right. would say. Um, as for the Leafs, it just. You know, they'll make the playoffs and then everyone will say, okay, now it's time to pay attention. Now it's time for the Leafs to do something again. But in the meantime, it's just going to be the, maybe it's just, I'm, I'm all of a sudden feeling like, 
I'm just in the slog of it every day, you know, working <laughs> in the newsroom. So just like the day-to-day aspect of covering the sport is just I I sometimes it just feels like you're walking through fog, but right. it does feel as though there's a serenity to the Leafs where yes, we can nitpick some things that are wrong with the team or that you would like fixed with the team and there people are going to harp on they need depth on defense and they're just going to say, okay, well, let's wait for a trade to happen then. You know, wait for Nikita Zordov, Zadorov to come in or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the playoffs are going to start and say, okay, now here we go. That's, that's, that's kind of my read on being in the middle of it here. Well, then to quote a wise man, as it pertains to the Leafs, serenity now, but insanity, insanity later. later. <laughs> yeah, you're damn right. Uh, this past weekend, little news in the wrestling world. Mr. Mickey and uh, this was I, I watched Survivor Series when I got home from what I was doing on Saturday night I I sort of if I'm being honest with you I'm big into wrestling basically from now until mania most years and sometimes it's a little later right the build to the rumble kind of thing and I'm big into it and then they sort of lose me and I kind of come back in for a few weeks around SummerSlam and then it's sometimes a hard sell for me in February because I got all or February in the fall because it's all the other sports are up and running and things are, are good. But this yep. caught my attention. CM Punk often does, whether people love him or hate him, he gets attention. He's basically trending on Twitter every day, regardless of whether he's doing anything or not. Mm-hmm. And there had been rumblings that maybe he'd show up. They were denying it. No one knew for sure. Even the the insiders didn't really have a good handle on it. But there was just this belief, which you wrote about at uh, sportsnet.ca. We'll put the link to that in the show notes if people want to check it out. That ah, it just makes too much sense. He's in Chicago. He's kind of been punted unceremoniously out of AEW. It could happen. So this show had my attention. Um, before we get to Punk specifically, what do you make of Survivor Series? Were you happy with the card? Did you like what they put out there? They were doing the war games thing again. Uh, what would you think? Jeez, I forgot that they had matches before Punk yeah, came exactly. out. exactly. You know, I, I watched the show, um, like you, I was out on Saturday night, but I came back and, uh, cracked a couple beers and enjoyed the show. And I, I thought it was fine. Right. I thought the women, the women's war game match was entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, EO sky is insane. It's good stuff. <laughs> um, and then I thought the men's war game match, if punk didn't come out, it would have been a solid pay-per-view. I thought the main event men's war game match was great. Randy Orton's return. He looked great physically looks great too it's hilarious how <laughs> a big dude. it's hilarious how whenever anybody takes extended time off in the business and then they come back and it's like they have never been more shredded <laughs> it's like you look at orton you look at like when ambrose took some time off while he was in wwe and came back yep. when he took time off in AEW and came back um johnny gargano took time off and came back and he was jack charlotte flair just took, took some time off and like she came back and she was toned as shit um it's just hilarious how that works when all of a sudden you're not on the road every day and then you have time to take care of yourself yes yeah, um, it's not fast food on the road and sleeping for four hours a night in hotels and whatever. Yeah, exactly, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so, you know, the, the show was the show was good. I thought it was fine. I thought the main event match was, was good. It was if, if Punk didn't come out, I'd say, yeah, that was a good show. But we wouldn't be talking about it today. That's right. And the big surprise, the other, they had teased it and announced it before. And the other big return was Randy Orton. And they held that off for as long as possible. And it was interesting the way they told the story in the main event that the good guys might be down a partner. Randy Orton, is he going to show up? He hasn't been here yet. And that left 
in the fan's mind, at least a door open that, hey, maybe he won't show up, but Punk could. Like, it was just one more way of keeping people, I don't know what's about to happen here. So Orton comes out, he gets the really big pop, the crowd's happy to see him, they finish up the match, and they teased this to the very end. Michael Cole, the play-by-play guy, has said goodnight to everybody. The copyright credits are up on the screen. You're like, all right, I guess it's not happening. And then they hit the music. Out he comes. He doesn't interact with anybody. Um, like he's not, um, you know, cutting a promo. He's just showing that he has returned. He's kind of posing. And then the thing goes to black. Pretty cool, man. I, I it it got me because it looked like the show was over. Like like you. I wasn't 100% sure. It was at best a coin flip for me, whether he would be there or not. But when those mm-hmm. credits come up and Michael Cole has said goodnight, you, you get that feeling. This was well executed, right? That, that this show is over and you go, all right, well, that was fine. It was something to watch and, and whatever. I guess they're not doing it. So they pulled me in right till the last second. And I kind of went, holy shit, just sitting there watching by myself when the music hit. They actually did it. He's actually here, man. I, it was, it was, it's, it's the, the your description of a holy shit that that's what it was it was a holy shit moment where it, it gives you goosebumps when all of a sudden he comes out the crowd pop it was i mean what do you want to you want to talk a road warrior pop on steroids like it was <laughs> it was like road warrior pop plus like wrestlemania x8 hogan and rock pop plus an austin pop sure. like it, it was an insane reaction for punk and he didn't do anything no. he came out and stood there it was it was incredible i found it very intriguing the reporting sean ross Sapp of fightful who's one of the more yeah. connected people in the business for sure he noted that triple h took control of the production in just in the dying moments of the show and i found it in, in i found it very interesting just from a television production point of view they didn't show any of the other wrestlers in the ring no when camera this stayed on punk no reaction from any of the guys in the ring and here's where i start getting the minutiae of was it a work or was it not a work <laughs> and i'm sorry if i'm getting ahead of myself here because if, if you were gonna kind of transition right. to that no we're going but but so yes punk comes out and it's insane but then you start trying to break it down and <laughs> this is where you're either a huge wrestling nerd or you just <laughs> Or just they've got you. Yeah, they've really like you know they threw the line out there and like they've got me and they're bringing me into the boat right now. All of a sudden, you start wondering: Did they think about how fan re- fans were going to take videos of the wrestlers at ringside and then share those afterwards? Did they have the foresight to think of that ahead of time? Was it WWE thinking that? Because, and I mentioned that, just for anyone listening who doesn't know, there was a video of Seth Rollins who was came out of the, the War Games cage and was giving CM Punk the finger and hurling expletives his way. And it looked extremely, extremely legitimate or genuine. Right. There was a video of Rhea Ripley standing there quietly and joking with a fan and giving CM Punk the finger as well. <laughs> there was the report of Drew McIntyre storming out of the arena, not talking to anybody, not even changing out of his ring gear. Is this all planted? Is it all set up? Or is it a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B? Yeah. It's, it's, it's Seth Raw- so I talked to Jimmy Corderas, a former referee. Well, just so I can paint a, put a bow on that four people. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder, one of the other options, because as you pointed out, the broadcast is not showing any of that. They're sticking the camera on punk and punk only, but it's over the next couple hours that, you know, 
amateur video, iPhone video is coming out of these things that you just described. And I wonder if one other possibility is, instead of those being fan videos, you just make sure you've got two or three staff at around in different sections and they take it on their phone, make it look, you know, like it's just amateur shot. So you don't depend sure. on the fans do it. That's a, a possibility. But you're right. This is left questions for were those reactions, because CM Punk, we should mention for people who aren't big wrestling fans, not always super popular, uh, left the company 10 years ago, just about 10 years ago, um, under terrible conditions, was furious with everybody, has been through lawsuits with them, was accusing them of not uh, treating medical issues that he was having. Yeah, health um, negligence. Personal issues, like multiple arguments with Triple H, who is now running the show backstage, all of it. Um, there was reason to believe they were not interested in having him back. And so to have him come back, it's enough, like you said, to get us wrestling nerds going, I wonder who's pissed about this and I wonder who's okay with it. I wonder who knew. I wonder who didn't know. It's These are the sort of, as you called it, minutia that wrestling nerds focus on. Absolutely. And, you know, it's but it it's hilarious because you go like, oh, wrestling nerds love this shit. But, you know, this is the kind of thing that crosses into the mainstream that WWE just loves. And boy, did it cross over the mainstream. You know where I heard about the CM Punk return to? Hmm. When I was listening to 32 Thoughts. I was just going to say, Elliot Friedman was talking about CM Punk on Monday. (laughs) Merrick and Friege were talking about, I mean, obviously Merrick is still relatively connected to the wrestling industry, just based on his his history of being involved with live audio wrestling back Mm -hmm. in the day. But he, you know, it brought up on the most popular hockey podcast in the world. Yeah. They're talking about CM Punk returning. That's how much it has crossed into the mainstream. Um, so you had talked I, to Jimmy Corderas in, uh, for your piece about whether or not you th- he thought those reactions might have been legit, whether he thought it was a work. What you know? What did he have to say? So I wanted to first to ask Jimmy. I was like, what would it do to a locker room to have something like this like shielded from them? And he said, and I, I related it to '97 where Brett got screwed. Yep, the, the Montreal screw job. And I said, what would, what, what happened in that scenario? And they said, well, we looked to our locker room leader and which was the undertaker at the time mm-hmm. and undertaker would try and go kind of satiate everybody. He tried to go talk, talk people off the ledge and remind everybody that like, we're here to do business. Like we can kind of work for each other at this point. And, you know, we can say, fuck the boss, but let's go out and try and do the best that we can. And some people took that and some people didn't. You know, there's like Mick Foley left and he didn't come back for a week or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of other people were pissed off too. Like obviously like all the Hart family, sure. Owen Neidhart, Bulldog. Yeah, yeah. They they all they all took a little bit of time away. Yep. So I, I was wondering what would be the feeling here? And he said, well, I think that everyone looked to the locker room leaders like Randy Orton. Um, Roman Reigns, if he was there, mm-hmm. um, guys like Rollins. Um, and, but he said that he wouldn't be, he said he thinks that Rollins is extremely smart and he w- was likely legitimately pissed off because Rollins has publicly and years ago too, not just like relatively recently to set up an angle, shit talk CM Punk. Oh yeah. Called him a cancer like, on a company, like some yes. hard stuff, right? And so it would yes. make sense for him to, I know this guy's coming back. It, it's possible that he was legitimately that pissed off. He's flipping people off. He's barking obscenities. That's possible. But it's also very possible that he's a smart guy. Whether he knew Punk was about to come out or not, 
This guy's in the company now. I should play this up. I should be furious and, you know, we'll see what it does down the road for, for doing business together or having to work together or whatever. He's a smart guy, man. He's he's one of the top wrestlers in the industry for a reason. He can recognize how to blur the lines of fact and fiction. And I would certainly never put it past him to have made the decision in the moment to be pissed off, but then use that feeling and try and play into something where he can make some money later. Yeah. Because immediately everyone says, you don't let Punk and Rollins talk to each other for months. And then eventually you set up Punk versus Rollins, main event of WrestleMania. Because Punk's never, you know, one of, that was one of the biggest gripes why Punk left in the first place was that he could never get that main event match at WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, he he was always wanting it, but instead, there, you know, there's always the gripe where uh, Cena and The Miz main evented WrestleMania. <laughs> and like he had a huge gripe about that. And then it was Cena and Rock two straight years when, when Punk was running hot in yep. the company, yep. like one of the top stars. So now he can use that gripe and say he wants the main event WrestleMania and like he finally can against Rollins and like that'll build and that'll be, you know, night two of WrestleMania, the main event match. Like imagine taking Roman Reigns out of that. What if it's Roman Reigns and The Rock, you know? Yeah. yeah. Then then all of a sudden, like, does Punk and Rollins main event night two? It's great fodder. It's good <laughs> shit. And all of a sudden when you're thinking maybe this wasn't, um, maybe this maybe this was all the work. And you can kind of lean into it and say, yeah, you know, I think that this might have been a work. But there's that still that inkling where it says, like, maybe they're just trying to adjust all this on the fly. Maybe Rollins was pissed. Maybe McIntyre was pissed. And now Triple H, whom Jimmy Corderas, former ref, said that everyone respects very much, respects as a creative booker, right. had to go to everybody and talk everyone off the ledge as well. Because Triple H has also been in this situation before where he was at the Montreal Screwjob and he was with Shawn Michaels and he was trying to pr protect Shawn from knowing that he was in on the work while the boys were being worked. Right. So Triple H knows how to navigate these waters. It's interesting, right? And it's it's this comic book world. You know, since your, your piece came out on Sunday, we've seen some other things surface. You know, Meltzer, I believe at one point, has said that he believes everyone in the match was told right before they went out um, that this was going to happen. Uh, not everyone is agreeing with that. So it's interesting. And it's one of the, like, if you picture this like a Broadway play or a movie or whatever else you want, it's incredibly rare that you would, you don't not tell the cast how the movie's going to end or right. Like the live performance is going to end more accurately at a play or something. Someone's just going to walk on stage and everybody just act natural, I guess, right? Like it's, yeah. it, but in wrestling, this is something that happens from time to time. And they do say it's a pretty bad idea to 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 ha treat your wrestlers the same way you're treating the audience, right? To have them surprised by something. They don't like that very much. Uh, there's a lot of trust involved in the wrestling industry. You're giving your body to people every night and trusting them not to hurt you. Um, so to have, you know, anything that indicates a lack of trust or whatever is is risky. I, I tend to fall down on the – or, you know, come down on the side that they probably – we're all told the ones in the match were all told um, just before they went out. But I don't know that, obviously. And I would believe that maybe everyone else in the locker room and all the other staff and things like that uh, weren't told because you want to tell people who are just going out to the match who don't have their phone, maybe to text their favorite reporter or tweet things or whatever, whereas everyone in the back could still leak it pretty easily. So that's sort of my logical thinking side of it. But 
I could certainly see the other one, man. It's it's fascinating. It it's truly incredible too to think that WWE is one of the top production companies in the world, but just by way of having this traveling circus that they produce mm-hmm. every, multiple times a week. If they had the foresight to put plants in the audience or <laughs> to know that people were going to circulate videos yep. to not shoot any of the wrestlers uh, in the ring with the cameras to not to throw the copyright logo up, to not tell anybody to clear everyone. Like as Sean Ross Sapp reported, they cleared everyone out of the back with just a few minutes remaining and then brought punk in. Right. That it seemed like that was the first time that anyone knew punk was coming. Hmm. When's the last time you had a secret like that in wrestling? Right. It's impossible to do. If WWE is able to pull this off, it is truly one of the greatest production feats that the company will have ever accomplished because Anthony, I, I reached out to Anthony Corelli as well, uh, Santino Morella. Right. Um, and he said that, like, it's when's like being in the business, like, when I want to, I want to pull it up. Well, because sure uh, that... while you're pulling that up, like, this is stuff that hooked us as kids in the 90s, right? Oh my God, Chris Jericho is over. Uh, just left WCW, who just surprised showed up on WWF. Lex Luger left WWF yeah. without anybody knowing and just showed up on Nitro, right? Like, this stuff right. used to happen, and it's been so long since there's been any kind of dynamic like that that, uh, we, you know, we're all kind of getting excited again for these these surprises and these swerves that we haven't seen in a long time. Right, and it gets you fired up. Yeah. It's very interesting, and, like, that's actually what Santino, uh, Anthony Trelli said to me. He said, He's like, we're all still fans at heart. He said, it's very hard for us to get work these days because we're in the business. So when it happens, it's genuinely a cool feeling because we get to be fans again like everybody else. Right. And he's right. Like Santino's absolutely correct on that. It is when when this kind of feeling hits you, you go, man, this is like, this is good shit. This is, this is top tier <laughs> wrestling shit that you really enjoy. You know, it's not the, like the minutia of, oh, like, did you enjoy the... The Santos Escobar versus Carlito match or whatever the hell it was. Pumped up like, for uh, backlash next month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, uh, you know, like wrestling is just can be such a slog. It like can be, through, yeah. So maybe this, is the, maybe this is the next place to take it is, I can't believe it, right? I'm fired up. I couldn't tell you the last time. It would have been around SummerSlam, so it's been a couple months that I sat down and consciously made a choice to watch Monday Night Raw. Now, sometimes if I'm watching Monday Night Football or the hockey game or whatever, I will flip and check it out and see what's happening. But it's not really my primary, you know, viewing for Monday Night. When that happened, I'm like, I have to watch Raw on Monday. Now, I wasn't feeling yep. very well on Monday, and I was really hoping that they would let him open the show. But of course, because <laughs> it's yeah. because it's wrestling, they drag it out. He's the main event. You got to stick around all night, and we'll. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll let you see at 10 to 11 what he has to say. Stay um, tuned, brother. Exactly. So I did manage to stay awake and, and stay up for it. And I got to be honest, that was a letdown. His his promo for me on Monday night, he, it, it was, um, you know, I'm home, these sorts of things. It was very playing to the fans. You know, you guys brought me back here. There was nothing that started any sort of angle, although... When Seth Rollins spoke earlier in the night, he said, I'm not going to waste my time on a hypocrite and punk in his message that, I, you know, apparently not everybody is happy to see me. So there are seeds being planted here. But in terms of what's going to happen, how much he's going to be around, you know, somebody confronting him, him saying something edgy about his old, you know, back at AEW, 
there was really nothing like that. And it, it honestly, it came off a little lame. Um, and, and the one thing that was trending afterwards, which was kind of funny, and I know it's been used before, was PG punk as opposed to yeah. CM punk yeah. back. You know, when you've left the, the punk rock company, right, the young upstarts, the underdogs where you can get away with some stuff and you come home to the, the big corporate monolith and you're on PG TV and these sorts of things. And maybe that's a little unfair right now, but it did sort of have that feel for me. And how about the joke that he made about being a Blackhawks fan and being in the the not, Preds barn, as yes. he called it? And I was just like, man, there are probably like sixteen Predators fans in that <laughs> building. Like that would not hit well at all. Yeah, exactly. Not to you know, it probably didn't land the way he'd hoped. Definitely not. Yeah, you know, as a couple of guys, I, I was kind of like you. I were I was at work. I was trying to work, but I was like, well, it's quarter to 11, I got to make sure I turn over because I want to hear what Punk has to say. And then it was just, as a few guys in the newsroom described it, it was mid. Yes. That's what the, yes, that's what, that's what the kids these days okay. are calling stuff, the mid. <laughs> it was very, So yeah, the, the promo was very mid. Like, whatever, you got his point across, I guess. But yep. then, you know, WWE got me to tune in, so good for them. Yep. Um, what's next? I don't know. Tune into SmackDown. Maybe somebody there has something to say. And then is he is he is he going to be on SmackDown? Is he going to be on Raw? How many is days of, is he working here? Is he got the Lesnar schedule, or you know, he's getting up is, there a little bit? I I don't know what's about may, to happen. I, I I don't know. Maybe that's the beauty of it. But um, Punk is forty five years old, by the way. Which yeah. is, you know, he ain't no spring chicken either. I will say about Punk is that when he debuted in AEW like man he looked like a million bucks mm-hmm. and then within like six weeks he looks like the most disheveled old man all of a sudden <laughs> and so like he came out on Saturday night and I was like man he looks great like looks like looks like he's like jacked and like looks all put together and like I just can't wait for after his first match where he just like he's got his gray is all showing and he's just looks like old as hell all of a sudden that's funny, right? Because yeah. he's older than like when everyone was ripping Hogan in the late '90s for hogging the main event slot. Like, there's a bunch of those guys running around. Jericho was the hardest on all those guys. He's in his 50s now and still uh, yeah. taking up a spot. So I don't know that that that'll be. In, I, I'm sure he's not doing a 300 you know days a year schedule like some of the other uh, guys and working every house show and things like that. But I will be curious to see who he's working with. And I I, I wanted to get your take on how many of these guys might not be all that interested in working with him. Like, would you bring Punk back and try and move him immediately back to the top of your card? As you said, possibly main event one night of WrestleMania with with Seth, uh, Seth Rollins. Uh, Roman has had some not particularly nice things to say. Like, I wonder if there's, you know, a smart path here, at least for a little while, to keep him out of your title picture and let him, you know, I don't know who maybe you'd want to go with, but... Maybe he works with Randy or Drew or something, just a big name still, but maybe not in your title picture. What would you want to see happen here over the next year or so? What are some guys you'd put him up against? I mean, the if, you, if you're a wrestler at WWE and you don't want to wrestle with him, then your values, do, you do not, your values don't include being financially sound <laughs> and maybe there's some people who don't care about money and sure that's fine and like you're going to continue to make money because you're employed by WWE either way but man if you work with punk you're going to make some big fucking money no questions asked yeah so i think it could be you know rollins and punk seems like the legitimate one to do 
Nakamura and Punk, that could be an interesting be one. Fun, there's yeah. a bunch of there's a bunch of teases with Nakamura wanting to wrestle him, like AJ Styles and Punk. That could be interesting. Cody uh, and AJ Co- um, Cody and Punk is the natural one, right? Yeah, um, they've got some history. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If, yeah, and then I'm trying to think like Roman and Punk would be good. There'd be like interesting matchups where like when Punk came to AEW and he's like, oh, I want to wrestle all these guys. And it was like, oh, yeah, there's so many dream matchups. And like, I don't know how many he actually had. But yeah. then he comes to WWE and like, oh, it'd be fun to see like Punk wrestle like Chad Gable or something like that. <laughs> Just like random freaking matchups like that. But like, you're not getting that. It's like, oh, in the first hour of Raw, Punk versus Chad Gable. And you're like, right. okay, that's not that's not happening. No, probably not. Uh, like Punk and Gunther. I think that could be a fun match. Yeah. Or Walter. No, it is Gunther. Never mind. He used to be Walter. <laughs> you just wonder, um, like, how much, how much do you want to put him because of his history and his age over some of your guys? And how many times is he prepared to come in here and and do the job for? Like, this is going to be, I think, a really tough thing to string, especially you know, knowing that there is some tension with him and and some guys. Like, I would do the Seth thing at, at Mania, but I'd probably have Seth go over, right? Like, yeah, keep the peace I, I mean, in the company. Yeah, I mean, I probably would too. Yeah. Unless Seth thinks that there's money in losing to, yeah, losing the Punk, and then would he be able to swallow his pride and lose? Was anybody? How, how many people are going to want to lose the Punk yeah. after the guy just shit saying, off right? WWE? For and the he last didn't 10 come years. back in here to lose every match, so this is going to be tough. And the thing that he said to the camera after he finished his promo, where he said, "I'm not here to make friends; I'm here to make money." Yeah, and I think that very much. I think that much is very true. I think yes. it's very. That very much makes sense. Um, if he goes over to Saudi Arabia, though, like that is <laughs> the biggest hypocritical move that he could possibly take. Yeah, because um, he has trash talked and said like, "You go over and take your blood money." So, like, is he going to go join in the blood money raid? I'll be very surprised, Mickey, if he doesn't. I bet you yeah. that's that. I'm sure that was a sticking point in the contract. These are our biggest shows. The Saudis pay us this much money, and they have done. Shawn Michaels said he'd never wrestle again. Over you went right. Like at some point, you've you've seen the list. At one point, I remember reading at one point the Saudis who maybe aren't following this all that closely were requesting Yokozuna. Uh, that was yeah, going to yeah. be that I was going to be a difficult too. booking. Um, but we'd like, like the, we'd like Yokozuna and the Ultimate Warrior. Right. Like, mm, okay. okay, we'll check into that for you. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough <laughs> for us to get them. Yeah. So I don't know, man. It's um, I I think I think he's gonna have to swallow his pride on that. I bet you that was a, a in the wording of the contract. You're gonna have to go to these. Yeah, I mean, how much? We've only seen two how, guys ever get out of it, right? It was uh, Danielson and uh, Cena at one point. Each said, "Not going." Yep, and even like a guy like Sami Zayn who had. Very legitimate reasons not to go. Eventually, did end up going over. Yeah. Um, some women didn't want to go over. They ended up going over yep. and wrestling. And you know, I don't know when. I don't know how how Punk could convince himself that he can do this, or then how he could convince fans that like he made the best decision to do it. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting. Here's what I'll say about all this though. Mm-hmm. We're all fucking following this again. Yep. I hadn't. There hasn't been a WWE storyline that I've been super fired up by probably since Zayn and Roman yep. last year yeah. or earlier this year, I should say. Um, since then, nothing's really, really piqued my interest that hard. But this, this I'm back for mostly just to see the intricacies of everything. I've gotten texts from friends and listeners and stuff who either 
just don't really pay any attention more, like, or never did, but know that this is a big deal. Guys that I used to watch wrestling with back in the 90s who long since checked out, but went, holy shit, like, what's going on over there with CM Punk and why is this such a big, like, this has people's attention and I'll be curious to see what that raw rating looks like. How many suckers like me they dragged in and held for three hours <laughs> Oh man, I can probably tell you what it was. I'm sure that the rating we always get the ratings at the office, but it mm. was I I'm guessing it was a decent one. I would say they did okay, yeah. So you can find Monday Night Raw, Monday Night Suns, Sportsnet three sixty from <laughs> eight PM Eastern to eleven PM Eastern. That's true. And I did. Uh oh, perfect. Thank you for watching. <laughs> Any other thoughts on this man or anything else from the wrestling world that you wanted to uh to hit on before we get out of here or uh, I just, you know, I've been, I've been pretty disconnected from wrestling for the last couple of months, but it was cool. It was, it was nice, even though, again, I'm not even the biggest CM Punk fan, but it was nice to dive back into it and have such an interesting, if you want to call it a storyline or yeah. interesting piece of business to observe and to get into really, it was, it was just nice to get into something so monotonous. <laughs> I really, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, this was great. And honestly, it's normally, it's always me coming, knocking on your door. Hey, I need you to talk about this. Hey, can you make time for me here? Hey, can you, but you and I were both up late night, Saturday night, watching Survivor Series and you texted me this time going, Hey, we got to talk about this. And, and you were yeah, right, man. Yeah. I was down. I was looking for somebody to get into it with. So, uh, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you making the time as always, man. Hey, I didn't ask you off the top. Any new yeah. beers, anything you tried lately? Anything you want to mention to the good listener here? So I will say that uh, I'm always, you know, I, I I will always espouse the virtues of Left Field Brewery mm-hmm. here in Toronto. So they just opened a new brew pub uh, in the city. Oh, yeah. So I was super pumped for them when they did that. But they brought back, for me, my favorite beer that they've ever produced. And they haven't had it in at least five years. It's called it's called Maris. And it is, it, uh, it's, it's one of... It's one of my favorite beers that I've ever that I've ever had. Tell me, it's six point zero percent. It's it, it's not. Ah, uh, but that'd be that'd be really good though. Or wait, is it? No, I'm not. <laughs> it's a pale. It's it's not. It's four point five percent. Okay, um, it, but it's a pale ale and it's absolutely delicious. Nice. Okay, I have never yeah, tried I that one. Highly, highly recommend. Yeah, they they haven't had it in production for years, and they finally brought it back, and it's one of my favorites. It was my my one of my. Likely my all-time favorite beer is called Daywalker, and it was from Reinhard Brewery, and it was a mic, it was a like a micro IPA, uh, like a session IPA, whatever you want to call it. It was like four percent, super tasty, or it was like three point five percent, super super tasty. Um, and then they stopped brewing that beer, so they, they just, breweries keep stop <laughs> brewing all my favorite beers. So I'm very much happy that Maris is back, much like CM Punk. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's the exact same thing. I'm sure, you know. Punk People being the, yeah, <laughs> punk punk is probably super pumped to drink that beer as well. Just being the big beer drinker that yes. he is, notoriously crooked edge, uh, <laughs> crooked edge. <yeah. laughs> um, appreciate your time as always, buddy. Thank you. No problem, buddy. Anytime. We'll wrap this up here. Don't forget, on uh, Thursday, Lever Sage back in here for his usual slot on Talkian Audio. And on uh, Friday morning, Grand Preach from TSN 1200, the pigeon, as we've been calling him for ducking us here so long. He'll be back as well. So stick around for all of that. Until then, for Kevin Mickey, my name's Matt Robinson. We'll see you next time. That's it. Cannot work under these conditions. If anybody wants me, I'll be downstairs at McDougal. Call the weekend guy. I don't care.